and I would like, oh, okay, there's a little Zoe, there's a little piece of my childhood that's like really begging to be seen. Yes, it looks like I'm just upset because this man in my world right now doesn't love me, but I began to see that that's never actually the case. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, a podcast of exploration, vulnerability, and curiosity in which I seek to bring more understanding and compassion to the human experience. So did you hear, did you hear the voice at the beginning? That's not my own. So exciting. Today, I have the pleasure of sharing with you a conversation with Zoe Lumiere, who is a life coach. She helps people with all sorts of, um, you know, heartfelt dreams that they have from finding a relationship to a career path that they love. Really, she's so amazing and she works with so many people. And I feel very blessed that she agreed to have this conversation with me and that I get to share it with you. This conversation, just to whet your appetite a little is so incredible. We talk about relationships. Zoe kind of takes us through her experience of finding relationship and her inner experience. I feel like we talk so much in our world about outer things and what are the the actions that we're taking and what are we doing? And we don't, talk as much about how important the inner world is. That's the world of our thoughts, the world of our emotions, how we're speaking to ourselves. Um, And that this, you know, has such a profound impact on the lives that we create, the lives that we allow ourselves to create. Zoe gave us all sorts of tools. Like, I honestly feel like I am going to go through this conversation and listen again and again and try to you know, take some of the things that Zoe talked about and really embody them and practice them for myself. So I'm hoping that everyone that is listening will get some really amazing benefit from this. Um, I really think that we're so lucky to, to be able to hear this conversation with Zoe and to hear her experience and um, not just you know, her own experience, but also her experience with clients and um, the sort of transformational process that she sort of lays out for us is really incredible. So enjoy the episode. All of her information will be in the show notes. So her website, her Instagram, all of that, you'll be able to find it in the show notes. And yes, so without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Zoe Lumiere. Hi, Zoe. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. You're my first guest of season two, um, which is not, I guess, like officially a season, but, you know, I had like a a couple year hiatus in between. So I'm so excited. I've just been recording by myself. So I'm really excited to have another person (laughs) to talk to. Um, I'm so happy to be here, honey. Just so great to see you and and so looking forward to chatting. Yes. Um, So for everyone who doesn't know, Zoe, I will have done an intro, so you'll know all about her amazing work as a coach. Um, But we met through the University of Santa Monica, which was um, or is a master's program um, where we studied spiritual psychology together. And I think we did the three-year program, is that right, together, all through consciousness, health, and healing? I did do consciousness, health, and healing, but I didn't do it directly after the two years. I'm pretty sure we graduated 2013, and then I did 2016 for CHH. Okay, cool. And I originally thought of having Zoe on because she has an amazing relationship story. Um, I knew her pre-relationship and then I sort of like watched some of it unfold and I was thinking about it around Valentine's Day and I was like, oh, it'd be so fun to do a Valentine's Day episode. Who would I want to have on? Zoe. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of 
you know, through the idea to her and she, we kind of started talking about like her coaching and the things that have come from the relationship story, which you'll hear. And, um, and we got, just got into so many other things that are so exciting. So I, you guys are going to really love this episode. Um, so Zoe, do you, where do you think is a good place to start? Like, would you care to share like how that relationship unfolded for you? Yeah, I'll I'll just dive in uh, with a a little bit of a backstory in that. uh, So when I was 33, that is when I signed up to do the Masters of Spiritual Psychology. And I actually signed up to do that program because I was suffering bulimia and uh, just hadn't been able to shift that. So I'd been doing psychology, psychiatry, 15 years of intensive meditation, spiritual processing. And just, it was the one thing that that I couldn't shift. And so that's why I dove into the Masters of Spiritual Psychology. And it really was through that process that all of a sudden I became aware, oh, wow, I do actually really want a boyfriend. And actually more than that, I really want a husband. Because until I started clearing some of the misbeliefs, some of the blocks some of the trauma from my childhood, I I wasn't even kind of really aware that, oh yeah, I'm worthy of of having a love in my life because I'd just been through seven years of celibacy because I was working directly for my spiritual teacher and and that was something that just lined up for me. Um, But I was 33 years old and had never been on more than a second date with a man in my entire life. And so it, it truly was just this magical journey of all of a sudden being aware that like, yeah, I do want to fall in love. I really do want that person. Um, but just feeling so afraid of rejection, so afraid of intimacy uh, because of sexual abuse and, and other abandonment and abuse in my childhood Um, But I'm so, so grateful to the emotional healing modalities that I learned because, yeah, literally within 12 months, uh, one of my best friends was now my fiancé. And and more than that, really, the, the heart of this journey for me has been about really allowing myself to fall in love with myself. And it's so cliche, but it is just so true. It's just so true that when we are able to let go of some of those things that we're holding against ourselves, that we're not good enough. I My things, and these are the superficial things, and there were obviously much deeper things, but I thought my nose was just no one would ever love a face with a nose like this. I thought my ass was just too big. Now it's like my husband's favorite, well, not favorite thing, but he definitely just <laughs> loves my bottom. Um, but it was, yeah, it really was me starting to truly love myself, truly love myself, warts and all that really helped me along this journey. So I yeah. want, I kind of want to slow it down and like ask you some questions right. about that. Is that okay? I would love that. That'll be okay. much easier as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. But I loved that kind of overview. Um, mm-hmm. so you didn't, you weren't really thinking about relationship when you went to USM. Is that correct? So you like, it wasn't even sort of like on your radar. So I was in such a mentally deluded state because of what I can now perceive as my childhood trauma. So I would every now and then find that I would be in love with people that were completely unattainable and that were never going to love me. And that were actually really just not very healthy people for me to be in love with them. And actually when I got into USM, I was suffering this unrequited love, this mental delusion with a boss of mine, a colleague slash boss. Um, and I would tell myself that I wasn't in love with him, but I was, and I would fantasize that it could happen. And it was just a very, very painful experience. But at the same time, telling everyone else in my whole world, I don't want a boyfriend. I'm too spiritual for that. I'm devoted to my spiritual practice. I'm devoted to working for my spiritual teacher. But inside of me, just so much pain going on and and actually starting to dive into some of just the feelings that I had of of what would happen when this colleague 
was mean to me uh, started to actually be the triggers that helped me heal some of my childhood wounds. And only after doing this process, I can see that, um, oh, wow, these men, particularly this one man that I had this uh, infatuation with at that time, was almost an identical personality to my stepdad, who was my abuser and the really where the patterns began. Wow. So it was kind of textbook, but it was just so fucking uh, mind-blowing to see, oh, wow, truly I am trying to get my love, my validation, my recognition from my stepdad still, but just through this uh, really unhealthy dynamic with this colleague. Um, and yeah, so I was in love with that man for a good number of years and lying to myself about it, you know, three days out of the week, uh, <laughs> is just incredibly painful. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> it's, I feel like everything that you're saying is so relatable, <laughs> at least to me, I'm assuming yeah. to also people listening. Um, I really think it is, and I, I hope it is, because I don't think it's a very talked about thing, unrequited love, but I think karmically we do all in service to our own self-love, in service to our own self-healing. Like we often are just all of a sudden, you know, in love with people that that are never going to love us back. And it's just the most painful. It's one of the most painful, fruitful, rewarding if you really yeah. show up and work that process. But it was just incredibly, incredibly painful. Yeah, I that is definitely my, I would say like my relationship pattern is like an unrequited mm -hmm. love dynamic. So I feel mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm just like, oh yes, like I, <laughs> that I see that so much over and over again. Yeah, and it's like this, yeah. right? The type of thing where I'm just like creating yeah. it again and again and again. And yeah. it's like, gets to the point where it's just annoying. <laughs> where you're yes. just like, oh, I don't, this yeah. again, like- <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So were you, um, was there like a moment, do you remember, or like a certain unfolding or like processing of that, that you sort of recognize, you know, cause I've had the experience with uh -huh. people that I've been, you know, had this infatuation for, and it's just like this attraction yeah. that I just cannot shake. But then yes. oftentimes there comes a point where they're like a, a flip, a switch is flipped and you're like all of a yeah. sudden, oh my God, I'm not interested in that person at all because like the spell breaks or you have yeah. a realization or something like, did something like that happen for you? So I would say a series of many small ones, but yes, definitely very, a lot of very conscious little switches in succession. Um, and there is one that I actually just remember so vividly in my mind as if it were yesterday. And it was just uh, so the dynamic that I had with this colleague who was my superior, but not my overall, not my spiritual teacher, but yeah, my definitely a, a superior and, you know, loved telling me what to do. And so I would just seek his approval and validation on everything. And he, I think, was very aware of that. And so because of that would never give it to me, but then also, you know, how we treat ourselves is how we treat another just because he wasn't being kind and loving to me really didn't mean anything about me. You know, that that's his, but so it was one night I was driving back down from where we were meeting. And in my mind, he had just been so cruel. I had just been working so hard and, and I was working for my spiritual teacher at that time. And, and that often meant like working around the clock. I really didn't have much of a social life. I'd do it all again. It was just a mind blowing experience, but I worked a lot and I really gave too much of myself, which also did not help this dynamic. And so I was driving away just crying and I got to the point where I was crying so badly that I just had to pull over uh, to the side of the road. And, and I did this many times when I started doing the masters of spiritual psychology, I began to do what they practice as inner self counseling. So I took a book with me wherever I went. I didn't always use it because sometimes, you know, it's sometimes I couldn't get myself out of a pity party. I just wanted to cry for crying's sake and I couldn't really lift into anything healthy or functional. And that's really okay. 
right? Just sometimes that happens. But thankfully this time, just, I was just devastated, crying, sobbing, and I got out my book. And so I gave, so my practice at that time was to give little Zoe a voice, just the little me that really felt hurt, betrayed, misunderstood, just really misunderstood. Like, how can he not see that I'm trying so hard and I'm such a good little girl and I'm doing, like, how can he not see that? So I would just write it out. I would just give her a voice. I would let her say whatever is present. And for one of the the clearest times, all of a sudden, as I was writing that, I just began to see flashes of my stepdad. It was, it was like a movie. It was just very clear. And then all of a sudden I had this rage inside of me and even energy is moving on me now as I talk, I just had this rage inside of me of that same kind of energy, but against my stepdad. And so I just let myself write. I just, you know, that's not okay. You can't do this. I really just started to express it all. Um, And then uh, I really kind of let that energy out. I just kept writing, kept writing. And then I did what I did uh, so, so many times. And, And this is what I believe is at the heart of me being able to let go of trying to get love from another person and not really just experiencing it in myself but I I then uh, picked up little Zoe and I told her everything that I wanted to tell her and I just loved her and yes I did some self-forgiveness yes I did some other spiritual psychology tools but for me I think what really was so profound about these specific switches or these specific moments was that I really just fully fell apart in this moment and also picked up the little me that really was feeling absolutely devastated that did relate back to some much deeper childhood wounds but I really gave her like I I really loved her I I asked her what she needed I asked her what she wanted and I really then just gave her that and and it does sound cliche and cheesy but you know really uh, all she wanted was to be loved and to feel safe and in that moment I could give that to her because my stepdad was no longer here right there really wasn't anything that she wasn't wasn't safe from but um just picking her up and loving her holding that imaginary you know little Zoe in my arms loving her and uh, giving her that feeling of safety I did that well, I geeked out. I do have to say it was probably a good six months because I just felt so much lighter and so much better after doing that. And I would start to notice shifts like he wouldn't get to me as much. So I just was like, fucking, I'm going to geek out on this. Whenever I felt out of balance, whenever I felt upset, I would get my book out and I would like, oh, okay, there's a little Zoe. There's a little piece of my childhood that's like really begging to be seen. Yes, it looks like I'm just upset because this man in my world right now doesn't love me, but I began to see that that's never actually the case. Whenever big emotion comes up, it's usually attached to something much longer ago and I have a really great opportunity to to do something about it. Wow. I mean, there's so that, I mean, thank you so much for like sharing that piece. I feel like that is so key and I hope, you know, to people, I don't normally like always talk to the people that are listening, but I'm kind of like want to like draw attention Please. to what you just said because right. I feel like there's so many keys to that. And I guess like a lot of what I'm hearing from it, or there's like kind of two sort of like main things, I guess, that I'm hearing, which is to like the honesty, right? It's like so often, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of like, you were kind of in denial, at least outwardly and probably somewhat to yourself um, about even wanting to be in a relationship or wanting love. And it, it reminds me of when I was, uh, in high school, I had this, the way that I like remembered this one relationship was that I did not have a crush on this person that I was just friends with them. That is my actual memory. And I went back like a few years later and read my diary. And I was like, I was in love with this person. Like (laughs) it states it very clearly, (laughs) but I could tell like I was in denial, even sort of in my writing of my diary, which you would think like a journal and a diary would be somewhere where you can fully like express honestly. But I think so often 
we're, we have so many layers of like expectation and thought over like how we feel that we can't even access it. Like we don't even know the truth of what we feel and what we want. And so I, I, I love like that process of giving that part of you who didn't have a voice who maybe like was just suppressed and, and was never given the opportunity, even within your own self to like say what she wanted to say and like let that come forward and that you like then did that as a, a longer process it sounded like you were like you were like yeah I like this I like this yeah. saying the things that I feel and that I think yeah. <laughs> and I, I do think it's one of the biggest uh resistances that I often hear from clients and just from the world in general right because when we're out of balance and and you know through a mental perspective I could definitely see that this guy was just being mean really you know there's no problem snap out of it don't worry about what he says you're okay it's all okay right so I hear so much about mindset and and you know it does get to a point sometimes where positivity can be toxic because it's like no don't pay attention to that irrational emotion just lift into what mentally perhaps looks like it, it is okay. But my ability just to really, and the more that I did it, the freer I got with it. And it's almost like, yeah, the, the more that we can really give permission to those irrational, immature feelings inside really will lead us to the unconscious places that are going to free us, right? But as an adult, as an almost 44-year-old woman, right, it's it's very easy for me to just uh, deny that and go, oh, no, I, I'm a professional, successful woman. I'm not, I'm not going to really allow myself to feel devastated with this, to feel heartbroken by this, to really feel it. But, but we all have those feelings inside. If, if you're human, you have them um, and they're going to lead us to great healing. So really just, yeah, exactly as you just said, really giving ourselves permission to feel them and let them almost like break us open, like really fall apart a little is what's going to lead us to some of that deeper, juicier healing. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like what you said about um, how it kind of, you were really sad and then you kind of had this anger. And I feel like that's such a key as well as like that it shifts and it changes. And like, I, I was just thinking, so I've, yeah, the last, you know, few months have been in a lot of uh, sort of an unrequited love kind of situation it. and, yeah. or certain in a way like different than my past, sort of like, it feels like a relationship that's sort of ending potentially. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a lot of grief with that, but also a lot of, and it's like interesting because it shows up in so many different ways. There's like the grief. And then I would say there's like a little bit of anger, but then there's like a lot of like trying to control the situation sort of like with my mind. And so like, I have all these thoughts. And at one point I just decided I'm just gonna totally like validate these insane thoughts. You know, it's like a part of me knew, okay, this is not rational. This is not necessarily something to, to be taken seriously, but it is something to be given a voice. And so I started to create art with Mm -hmm. that and like, to just like write down like all my like tantrums. I basically was like throwing a tantrum in my head, like constantly. And I just was writing all of those down and like drawing pictures with them and kind of giving them a platform, which I think helped it to like move through in a way and like helped me find peace in like relationship and communion with these thoughts. It doesn't, it didn't mean taking it so seriously and you know, like dwelling in it or being like, see, I've been wronged or whatever, but like, (laughs) just to be like, this is how I feel. And that is like fine and good. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I I do think that is, yeah, that I just love hearing that Sarah. I think if, if we all had consistent practices Mm -hmm. of really giving our feelings a voice, oh my Lord. Uh, Well, I just think it's, it's one of the one of the keys for true health in all ways, physical, emotional, and mental. And, you know, emotions just are very misunderstood, right? They're uh, they're not 
here for us to make our decisions with them. And I think that's where some of the, right. the mindset and the right. spiritual communities have gotten a bit confused. Like, no, like when I'm really upset or I'm angry, no, I don't want to make decisions and make and create my life through that energy. But it's like, if a small child comes into the room and they're devastated or they're really angry, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to shove them under the rug and all of that suppressed energy which is then what goes into our unconscious and creates addiction and problems on many different levels, or are you just going to hear it? Like that, that part of us just wants to be heard, just wants to be let out, just wants to be loved. And if we do that, that energy truly is liberated rather than repressed. Yeah. I feel like what you're saying is so maybe key to why we don't like, cause I feel like there is fear around these like kind of big emotions and maybe it kind of is this, fear that oh if I feel it it'll like never go away and then that'll be the the creative force (laughs) but that isn't ever really how it happens like it always is in waves yes it's always manageable but but I love that you point that out because that is definitely one a reference point that I see working with clients that at some point with any big piece of trauma and when I say trauma I don't even mean like child abuse just you know something shitty happened in your life that you're still mm-hmm. holding on to in some mm-hmm. way um, whenever that happens there is a point often where, where where we find a place where it's like, oh, no, like I won't survive this experience. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've got to keep on letting, I can't, I, I won't survive being present and feeling the pain of my mom's death. I won't survive being present and, and, and you know, feeling the pain of my dog's death. Mm-hmm. You know, that can appear in so many ways, but to be able to get to that choice point where we do find in our consciousness, oh, I know I won't survive. It's too much. It often shows up, oh, it's too much. I won't survive, you know, but but actually if we do just let ourselves feel, stop resisting feeling and just feel that pain, feel that sadness, feel that anger, feel whatever it is, it, it does move through pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah and and. I feel like it's even in a way it's like hard to even get to that point where you realize that you have like I think that that feels like the trickiest part because like you said oh I was in love with this person for years just in this dynamic but there wasn't like even just to like allow yourself to feel what you were actually feeling rather than the stories and everything that your your mind was doing as I guess like a protective mechanism I mean you know, and saying it goes back, you know, what you said about if it's, you know, a big emotion, that's like probably from the past. And it's like, we just have these experiences and then we have all these stories and thoughts. And then we just kind of create, um, I mean, I feel like under, like understanding the mechanism of how this works and like, sometimes it feels, oh, that's really simple. And then sometimes you're like, wait, this is like so complex, (laughs) like the way that the mind copes. you're so spot on with that. And it's, I would not have believed the experience that I've had in terms of how people do not understand what are their feelings versus Mm. their own mental coping mechanisms. If I hadn't worked with so, so, so many people. So I think we can all make fun of like, you know, with a therapist or uh, uh, whoever is asking, okay, and how do you feel about that? Or how do you feel? Right? Like, Mm. Like therapy is all about, okay, how do you feel? But whenever I start working with the client, you know, it's actually very, very, very hard for us to know what we're feeling and to express it without going into blame, without going into the actions and the 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 uh, protections that we do to stop us from feeling. So if someone comes, you know, if someone's in a really hard time and, and we ask them like, so how do you feel about that? Often what comes back is, well, I feel like they shouldn't have done that. Like I feel that that was wrong and not okay. I feel that I should have done better. And I'm like, and it's, 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 it's a very slow process sometimes because there is, there is an honoring and a, and a validating of that that's important But at the same time, people need to, if they want to really process through some of these experiences, know that they are not emotions, that they're actually deflecting being in their body and they're just, they're 
clinging to the thoughts and the protections that that in my mind kind of exist somewhere outside of our body so we don't have to uncomfortably be in our body and feel our, our emotions. Uh, but it's just absolutely wild how we're not really taught how to do this. And 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 as a and as a world, we we will do pretty much anything just to feel our feelings, even just answering the question, how do you feel about that? Like it's very, very hard for someone to go, oh, I feel a constriction in my stomach. I feel small. I feel sad. I feel like my heart's breaking. You know, it's, it's such an incredible skill if we can, if we can get there. Yeah. To even recognize. Yeah. Cause saying, oh, I feel like they shouldn't have done that. Like that's not a feeling, <laughs> right? That's a thought. And I I love laughing so hard at reality TV shows because sometimes clearly there has been a, a somewhat of a therapist in the mix and they've been encouraged to talk about how they feel and they'll be well, like, I feel like you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And they're like, and, and they're, well, no, that's just my feeling. That's my experience. And actually, no, that's not your experience that they should or shouldn't have done something. It's just, it's kind of wild how misunderstood uh, this dynamic is. Yeah. That's a judgment. It's a thought. It's a yep. yeah. whatever. So like, let's talk about this a little bit more. So like a feeling you right. kind of mentioned a few earlier. So mm-hmm. there, the first one you mentioned was um, like a constriction in that, in your heart or in your body. So like a physical sensation could count maybe as like, what are you feeling in your physically in your body? I feel, yeah. Like my heart is breaking. I feel like my stomach feels queasy. I feel like what are some of the other? Well, that is always where I start. So when, whenever working with a client, it's always okay because, and, and, you know, people can maybe even have a reference point for, for this themselves, but when we're feeling something very uncomfortable, generally we will expel our energy up into our head into blame, justifying, rationalizing. But if we can actually just be aware of, okay, what do we feel in our physical body? Exactly as you just said, it may take a little while, but 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 it's with a bit of patience, someone can do that, right? It might be a tenseness in the shoulders. It may be like feeling like they've been kicked in the stomach. It may be just a very frenetic energy, you know, all through their their chest, their heart center, but just helping someone be aware, okay, what do you feel physically? What do you feel in your physical body? And then I usually just simply use questions of, okay, if you had to give it a color, make it up. It may, if they've done a lot of this work, they probably will be aware of a color and a texture. But often I just ask clients if that, if that, if that feeling had a color and a texture, make it up, what would it be? And even though it doesn't matter what color and texture it is, it actually just really helps them just completely connect to that feeling so fully such that they can connect more fully with the energy in their body and not the thoughts up around their head, not the energy that they're trying to resist. Right. It's like Um, a way of getting them to be like curious about that sensation of like really feel like, okay, what is that? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, once someone, and and the other thing that I often find is that, uh, you know, there will be many things that are going on. Sometimes we can feel a bit of rage and also a lot of sadness. And one thing that I do know about us as, as human beings is just how connected we are. So in so many ways, when doing this work, it actually doesn't matter which we choose to focus on and allow. They will, as you said before, they will usually cycle through each other. They're Mm -hmm. all connected. But I usually ask a client like, okay, so what's the strongest thing you're feeling? Is it that sick feeling in the bottom of your stomach or is it the the rage burning out your eyes, right? Right. And then they'll just choose one and then uh, learning how to give that a voice, learning how to express and put some words on that energy does help to free up that energy a lot. And, and then also there are places that often naturally come from that, like repressed memories mm-hmm. earlier times often show up if we can give that a voice. Wow. Yeah. it's That's like so amazing. One thing that I have been noticing in the past few months is that a lot of times when I'm feeling anxiety, if I really tune into it, I'm actually sad. 
Isn't that so crazy? Like I, that is not something that I would have ever thought like, oh, I would just mask my sadness with anxiety. Like that, that feels so, th- those two yeah. feelings like feel so far apart in a way, but I realized it was like in a tent, like I was so uncomfortable with my sadness that I, yeah. I would just build this kind of like frenetic, anxious energy. And like, that's what I would experience. Yeah. Um, so I feel like these, yeah, these things are so layered and, and yeah. We do well, so much. I love that yeah. you said that uh, because, you know, and this may get a little woo-woo. I hope, I hope that that's okay. It's okay with me. <laughs> okay. Um, but I just think you're spot on with that. I've actually been working a lot more with teens and, you know, anxiety is pretty much a, a pandemic these days. I don't yeah. know many people that don't experience some form of anxiety and it's, it's my own theory. I have actually done a bit of research to find out if there are other people that are talking about this and there, there are some thought leaders uh, out there that, that are expressing similar things. But I but exactly as you've just said, anxiety in my mind, in my experience, is, is just an inability to feel. It's just an overwhelming, it's, it's just it's too much to feel that I'm basically disconnecting, checking out, and often the core emotion that really is at the heart of everything is sadness. Yeah. And if we can really allow ourselves to just kind of be with the anxiety, in my experience, it does lead to the sadness pretty quickly, except it can be hard to get people to stop following the trains of mm-hmm. thoughts of like, I've got to do this to fix this. It's this person that's got to change right it's actually really hard just to help people just be present with the feelings the energy and the body and just to keep on curiously paying attention to what's going on with them uh yeah there's a whole whole lot more I could say about that but uh I just I just feel that there are a lot of more highly evolved souls coming in on the planet so what I this is my big prediction bit woo woo um but I you know the younger kids on the planet and I think probably you can relate to this Sarah and a lot of our friends could as well but with highly evolved souls uh there is just more energy that comes through us and Mm -hmm. that energy also shows up in terms of energy and motion emotion so uh we're more sensitive we're more connected so when we feel it's it's actually quite a lot of energy that is energy that can be used for creation for healing for manifestation but it can be fucking overwhelming to have that level of spirit that level of energy running through us and because as a planet we haven't really learned how to feel emotions like we we do when we're a kid right we can be so angry and then like a second later we're happy (laughs) and a second later we're sad right we can we let go when we ride the roller coaster of emotions when we're little and that's very healthy but it at some point we're conditioned out of that we are taught it's not okay to cry it's not okay to be angry none of these things are okay just like shove them all down and Mm -hmm. be normal and so because I because I experience of just a lot of energy rushing through people and just younger souls on the planet I feel are more spiritually connected so there's a lot of energy and so it's it's resulting in a lot of anxiety and it's quite simple to to deal with in that just, okay, teach them the very, very simple, not easy, but simple skills of mm-hmm. what are you feeling and how do you give that feeling a voice? And then how do you just be kind to those feelings? Maybe honor them, give them what they need, Would you know, just, just acknowledge them, be with them. If you can love them even better, but just being with them and acknowledging them is enough. Yeah. How do you like I, I'm sort of listening from, you know, I, I had like an outside ear perk up and I was thinking, uh-huh. well, you know, as adults, we sort of like, don't necessarily want to be going on a roller coaster of emotion, like throughout our whole day. Like, how have you, like, how yeah. do you experience that? Like personally, or with like other adults that you work with? Like, I imagine yeah. it's not you know, you're not just feeling like a toddler every day on that like huge <laughs> range. But but I think that could yes. be like a fear yes. for people where they're like, well, I don't want to live that yes. life where you're just like crying yes. and then you're happy and then you're yes. angry and then you know it's tiring. Yes. yes. 
Yes. Well, as as we mature through this, mm-hmm. we can perceive that it truly is just energy, right? We start to become aware that, you know, when you're getting on a roller coaster, you if if you're really if you have a good relationship with roller coasters, you will probably perceive that energy rushing through your body as pure excitement, mm-hmm. as joy, as happiness. And you because you're saying yes, I'm okay with this. It's actually a really really lovely feeling. Yeah. But if we don't have a great relationship with roller coasters and maybe we're being made to do it and we're resisting feeling that it's actually the resistance of feeling that that's actually the most painful. And that's fear, that's dread, that's all of those kinds of things. So the one thing I will say is that as we really just allow ourselves to feel, you know, I, I this is probably not what people want to hear, but I do cry a lot. I, I have, I have, um, I have a dog who is a a TikTok celebrity. And so I'm in touch with all these dog rescues. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've now been submersed in this world of dog rescue and, and at least once a day looking through my feed, I will see just a heartbreaking story of a dog that's just been abused or, you know, I'm in love with dogs. So it just opens my heart. And even as I'm aware of the emotion running through me now, it's not a negative thing. It's, it's for me, it has become more like, you know, when you're at a wedding and it's just so beautiful that you cry, it's just the most lovely feeling. It's yes, it's, it's crying, but it's just a lovely, lovely feeling. But as a society, we don't even like to admit that we're crying at a wedding. We don't like to admit that we're crying at the end of a Disney movie. Like we just don't let that energy through and it's more the resistance that we don't enjoy. If we just let it wash through, it's actually so, so lovely. And of course I still, and so most of the the tears that I have throughout the week are just those beautiful moments of of how much love there is in my life, Uh, both through being able to have compassion for a dog through all the way to, I don't know, a commercial on TV that's really touching or, you know, or something. But uh, so, so that is just one thing that I'll say that we do start to just relate to it more as energy and that it's not, we can kind of just relax and let it, let it move through us very quickly. And the other thing that I will say is that, yes, I don't have enough time in the day just to only pay attention to my feelings, right? No one does. I'm a very busy woman. So it's not like I'm throughout my day just going, oh, what do I feel? I feel sad. I feel, no, it's like often I'm like, I don't have time for this, right? But at least, at least, um, well, I have a blue book. I have a, whenever it starts to build up a little, just like I I shared about in the story earlier, I now have a blue book. I don't know why. I just think it's kind of cute that it's blue, but I, I always have a blue notebook. And so if it starts to build up, right, there has either been something that, that feels unexpressed. I will just write in it. Um, and it, and because I'm, because I do do that consistently, it just moves through pretty quickly. Sometimes it can be 20 seconds. It was just a little bubble of energy that was just sitting there that just needed to be honored, acknowledged and and it's done. So I, I feel like I have so much more energy because I have the guts to feel my feelings and fall apart and really feel the spectrum of this life. But but I do also make little room for it throughout my week. Um, and then I will also say that, um, you know, because I, I don't think this is going to be true for everyone, but I was given a very juicy childhood. I'm still unpacking sexual abuse. I'm still unpacking my mum's death that I think I will always be grieving and will continue to break me into more love and compassion for the world. Uh, so I've, I've, I've got some big juicy stuff that I will am still unpacking. And so, and I will also say that because I have chosen to be aware of big dreams in this life and I'm showing up and being public and doing big things in this world, that also brings up a level of opportunity, opportunity for me to heal my past. So 
because I'm showing up so much and taking risks and, and diving bravely into life, I do sit down with my husband probably at least once a week or once every couple of weeks and we do kind of like a counselling process. So he will just ask like, okay, so where has been the big emotion? Where's been the big challenge over the last little bit? And I'll just dive into it. I'll feel it. I'll share it. And then he'll kind of facilitate me through through that. And we both do that for each other. And it's the work that I do in my group coaching program. But but making some dedicated space for it at least once a week or or once every couple of weeks for me just really helps me uh, not let the pressure build up in the pressure cooker and just helps me feeling really great about myself and and my life. Yeah. I love that. Just especially kind of that. That's what I experienced too, is like, I also am someone who cries like a lot and it's sort of like the go-to yeah. Like if I'm sad, if I'm happy, like that's like what, how yeah. it comes yeah. through and it is kind of just energy. And even yep. through, you know, the last piece, um, you know, there were like a few moments where you like teared up and then it kind of just goes away. It's yeah. like, not, it, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't take over. It's just like you say, like it's bubbling up and it's yeah. going out and that's okay. And we can yeah. all move on. Like that's happened to me also, yeah. like in, in public, you know, in grocery stores, in coffee shops, when I start to like reflect on something or whatever, and I can like have this and I'm like, not trying to like, I don't, you know, I <laughs> like let it out, but like subtly, <laughs> maybe not yeah. like, but not yeah. necessarily like fully indulge it, go into it, be like, oh, I need yes. to like explore yes. that. But let it move through. Yeah. 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 I love that. Well, and I, and I, and that, and this, and was one reason why I was just so excited to talk to you, Sarah, and, you know, specifically because, yeah, you have that incredible ability of of being so present, of being present and vulnerable and emotional. And I think just life is lovelier when we can just be so present with each other that we're not masking or protecting or pushing things down, but we're just Mm -hmm. being being so fully with each other. It's Mm -hmm. just lovely way to live yeah yeah thank you for acknowledging that in me <laughs> um yeah. I wanted to go back to um the story of your relationship yes, yes. um yes. so as you kind of started to um to have that emotion come up to start to recognize that you were kind of dealing with you know things of of the past and that you're kind of repeating patterns and had this sort of suppressed emotion. How did that start to like specifically in your relationship, like what was the sort of unfolding of that? Did it kind of directly make you go like, Oh, I want a relationship. And then were you like, Oh, well I should go on a dating app. Like what was your thought process, I guess. And like, how did it unfold there? That's a great question. So the honest answer is that I can't really remember. <laughs> um, and, and if I was kind of uh, in, a, in an educated or in, a, in an educated guessing kind of way, I would kind of remember that, um, yeah, I, I definitely did start to just feel more connected with other this sounds weird but just I started to feel more connected with other people and I think that led to being able to to see that oh no I would really really love a boyfriend but but I I think what is profound about just allowing the emotion in our life in any way just being present with hey how are we feeling in a in a consistent way it just naturally does clear the blocks inside of our consciousness that's holding us back from what we want and then once we've cleared those blocks like good luck even whole good luck even holding yourself back from creating that next thing <laughs> like I don't think I really like honestly and and I and I probably will cry about this but 
it just blows me away how gracefully, miraculously I got together with Eric. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's, 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 it's almost like I don't deserve to have such a graceful process, but it's like, actually uh, I completely deserve it and not that deserving has anything to do with it, but I really, you know, I really put in the love to support me in letting go of some some of the ways that I was protecting myself against rejection, against intimacy, against, and, and for me, a lot of it, and, and kind of not to, to go around in too many circles here, but, but in doing this healing work, I became aware of I didn't want to love again because I didn't think I would survive loving again after losing my mum. And the other big thing was that after being sexually abused, I was buying into misbeliefs of I'm wrong, I'm dirty, and I'm broken. And until I could take responsibility for that narrative, for consistently telling myself that, um, I, 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 was, I was living that. I was living a, 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 no, I'm not worthy of this because I'm wrong, dirty, and broken. And it sounds very clinical saying it like that, but, you know, this is after years of, of self-introspection and self-healing that it just got to a point where it's just so clear, right? It's like, oh, these were the big pieces that until I really, um, until I really experienced myself in a new way, i.e., no, I'm, 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 I'm ready to love even if it, breaks me open and cracks me open even more fully like I'm in I want love even if it's this painful I'm I'm here I'm gonna do it and I can't tell you how many times I picked up little Zoe off the floor and told her how pure and perfect and clean and sweet and worthy of love she was and so that energy just washes away you know the protections and so my protection was at those times of you know telling myself I'm wrong I'm bad I'm broken because I couldn't reckon I couldn't live in a world where I was taken care of by people that would do that to me right it's actually too hard for little kids and and what we see in psychology is that we do internalize that negative behavior it's like oh no I can't fathom that that my stepdad would be doing this horrible thing to me it's not his he's not wrong I must be wrong Mm -hmm. I must be bad I must be broken and and the empowering thing about this is when we start to see oh wow this is what I've been holding on I'm telling this about myself great we fucking have all the power we can go ah that's not true and little Zoe I'm so sorry that I ever told you that I'm so, so, so sorry that I ever for a second believed that you were anything less than beautiful. And I think that's what often holds us back from some really deep healing is that when we are the victim of abuse, it's too easy to continually be in a pattern of blame. And it is kind of, it's no small thing to be able to go, oh, wow, okay, it's not my fault. It's definitely not my fault that I was abused. It's definitely not my fault in any way, shape or form. But if I want a different experience, I do have to take responsibility for what I'm still telling myself about that. And even though I was only six or seven when I started to tell myself that I'm wrong, I'm broken, I'm dirty, I'm whatever, at some point, if I want to be free, I have to take responsibility for it. Wow. I'm the one that's telling myself this. Mm-hmm. And so fucking great. I can let go of it. I can go, oh my Lord, we we chose to do that to protect ourselves because it wasn't safe. But I'm I forgive myself now for ever telling you that you were bad or broken, Zoe, because you're just so beautiful and perfect. Yeah. That's so powerful to like to recognize the way that we are perpetuating things that either were done you know to us or put on us maybe someone said something or did something like like with you and then the way that we keep keep it going and I feel like such a good sort of example of of just the um like recognizing that that is a true thing is kind of like because sometimes like with your boss for example it's like someone might have reacted to him differently. Like he could have been 
mean to someone and they could have had a totally different reaction than you did based on the story that was in their head. And so I feel like that's such a good to realize that people are like responding and reacting to things differently, at least gives you some awareness. Okay. This, this story that I'm telling myself, like might not be true or, or, or there might be something going on here. That's not reality, even though it looks like reality. Yeah. And that was a profound thing to go through in that when I started to really resolve some of this repressed emotion inside of myself, my boss would show up and Mm -hmm. still say the same things. And I, the habitual response I came into was compassion and not through a mental place of knowing that compassion was the lovely spiritual thing to do. But all of a sudden I could cleanly see, oh, wow, he doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. his little trying to pick at me or tell me that I'm wrong like wow like he's not feeling okay because it was just nothing in me that was like this is my problem I'm wrong it's like I could just see that his angriness his dissatisfaction was his angriness yeah. and dissatisfaction it meant nothing about me and everything about him and it get, and it was started to be funny in in that kind of in that small kind of uh, group that we were working with because I would just kind of start to be kind to him. And he, it was very challenging for him. And, but it, but the whole dynamic shifted very quickly and we're actually incredible friends today. Wow. Incredible friends. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I guess, and I, I want to say, just kind of go back and say like the reason I use your boss as an example, obviously just for the listeners is that obviously when we're kids, we don't have the same, we can't, we, we just don't have the same awareness or like the same ability to do that. We're not in power. Oftentimes, like physically people are bigger than us. People are in charge of our food and our safety and our shelter. So like, yeah, there's sometimes I feel like those childhood things are just we have, you know, whatever circumstances were sort of put in and we're, we're just dealing with them as best we can. But then as adults, as we kind of become more aware, like you're saying, and, and that's when we really start to have agency, not that you can't, I'm not saying a child couldn't have agency, but obviously it's like just a totally different situation. So I just wanted to like, kind of point that out, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it is valuable to see that, you know, no matter what kind of a childhood you're having, you know, like no one can love you and be there for you and understand and support you exactly the way that is perfectly aligned for you. Mm-hmm. Like there is no such thing as a perfect traumaless childhood, I believe, yeah. you know, even if it's a, a an upsetting situation with a friend or, you know, no matter, no matter what, or, what it is, I believe that we're given lives that are challenging so that we learn how to love ourselves, so that we learn how to have compassion and sweetness and kindness for ourselves. Uh, there is no such thing as a, a perfect childhood or a perfect life. Maybe those challenges really are just here to teach us how to be loving to ourselves mm-hmm. and how to learn how to heal and forgive ourselves. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, which I, I've also sort of noticed this of like sadness being sort of at the core of every emotion, which is kind of just this, even grief has more layers to it. Like sadness is such a simple, it's like almost just like a, a disappointment, right? It's just like a things didn't go the way that I wanted them to kind of. And like, that makes me sad. It's not what I expected. It's not what I had envisioned it's not my way and like that is just like can be just really sad and like there's no changing that there's no controlling it there's no like fixing it or doing anything it's just like something that we all have to live with like as humans yeah yeah and and I think uh one of the uh, incredible gifts we have is the work that Brene Brown has done and I'm also such a huge fan of Pema Chodron um they uh, have just put so many incredible uh, principles on the table in terms of, yeah, really all, all we need to do is just be with, be present, be with these feelings, these emotions, and at the heart of us, this sadness, 
and 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 something magical and miraculous happens in that and yes there are things like self-forgiveness and inner child work and there are different tools that can support us in that but really just being in loving and acceptance with the emotion really is at the heart of what of all of all healing yeah for sure I feel like in a way I'm kind of feeling like, oh, is this conversation like ending? It's like, I feel like we've talked about so much and it's so beautiful, but I guess I want to know, like, is there any, like, is there anything else that you feel like we didn't touch on? Or like, I know that there's more to the story of like, I don't, do you want to go more into that? (laughs) Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of just wrap um, because so So I started to do this healing work and it was about six to nine months of this healing work that all of a sudden I was aware of of a really, really good friend that I had. And still to this day, I cannot wrap my head around what I did. But so this is how I went from being just good friends with this guy mm-hmm. um, through to we were together and then pretty inseparable and then married seven months later and still uh, just more and more in love with this man every day. Um, so we were just driving to yogurt land as friends and I turned to him and I said, do you ever think about us? And I'm so fucking glad he knew what I meant because even as I say it out loud, I'm like, how would another person even know what I meant by that? And I just didn't have, I don't relate to being the kind of person that had the balls to do that at that point. But it's, I do believe that as we really just, I don't know, it's like there is a universe, there is a love, there is a spirit that guides us and helps us. It was just one of those graceful, miraculous things. And so then he turned to me and he said, yes. And then we've been together ever since. <laughs> so yeah, your first date at yoga. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and I remember that date, like, you know, our, our knees touched and it was just like, you know, we just sat there both happy for our knees to touch. And anyway, I'm not going to get into the details of, of all of that, but it, we were, we were together pretty quickly and I still, you know, like if thinking about, well, how did I make that relationship happen? Oh my God, I couldn't have made that happen if I tried. We are supported by something much greater than that. And, and, and while I do support anyone that really feels intuitively called to be on dating apps, like if if you feel in a heartfelt soul led way to get experience, to date, go for it. But, in my, but I do not believe that anyone needs to be on a dating app to find the person that they love. I do not believe that we need anything other than loving ourselves and just being open and present with our world. Like we have a love, we have a spirit, we have a universe that is going to guide us there. Uh, and if anything, I don't want to be say this too bluntly, but, but I do feel that sometimes just the dynamic of dating apps does establish a more sexual relationship first rather than just a pure human to human friendship that can not actually be very conducive to finding the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with so um well yeah I I encourage people to have a little bit of a break from dating apps if, if they've been on them for a long time and really wanting to find love and if you're intuitively guided oh my lord you know your person might be waiting on there so so trust yourself but you don't need them right I just fucking never wanted to date I never wanted to do that and so I never did and and so miraculously the universe helped me find him and I yeah. believe that's true for all of us I love that you're saying that because I have tried dating apps, but I really don't like them and I don't find them to be fruitful. I don't experience them as to necessarily be, and maybe that's just because of how I am, but like um, super like sexually charged necessarily. Obviously I think they can be, but (laughs) for me, I'm just like, I, (laughs) there's so many factors you can't tell on an app. And I don't know, for me, I feel like there's a lot that just, I'm like, this is not, I do not like this. Obviously some people like love meeting yeah. new people and all of that. Yeah. So they could, they could like that. But I love like just the, cause I feel like a lot of people have like lost that 
trust really. It's like, we think the amount of times I've heard, well, it's a numbers game and you have to go and you have to like do almost like they treat it like a job. You just have to go. You have to go on hundreds of dates. You have to like do this. It's just part of it. And to, to really, I love what you're saying of just like, no, like trust it. If it's something that you want, like it will come to you. And like, we have the fit, like the universe will support us and, and help us find the things that are meant for us. Exactly. And allowing our emotions and being kind Mm -hmm. to them giving ourselves what we need through allowing our emotional imbalance. I feel that that's all we really need to focus on in order to clear what might be holding us back. And, and in perfect timing, that will all be revealed. So it is, it's a beautiful life. We we're very lucky. We are. I love that. Thank you so much, Zoe. I really love this conversation and you just have so much wisdom to offer and and so yeah if anyone um if anyone wants to work with Zoe I don't know if she's taking clients right now but you can go to her website I don't know is there anything that you specifically want to promote or um, oh that's very kind uh so no I don't have room for 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 one-on-one clients right now but you can learn all about me and my work at zoelumier.com And I am now um, doing group programs where I teach this methodology for a much more reasonable uh, investment than working one-on-one with me. Um, And I've been doing that for five years now and the results that we're having are really, really just uh, so lovely. Uh, So if anyone is wanting to, to learn more about that, you'd find info on my website. That's awesome. And you have an Instagram too, and you post, I feel like I've read like good blog posts and everything through there. Free stuff. Like I just feel like, um, you know, a lot of coaching, a lot of healing has unfortunately become like this high end Mm -hmm. service. Um, and it's just, oh my Lord, we all deserve this. So I put a heap of free stuff out on Instagram. I have a free email that I give one amazing technique once uh, every Saturday. Uh, and I also have a 10 minute, uh, spiritual manifestation meditation It's actually the one that I kind of downloaded while I was, and this is another part of it, another conversation, Sarah, <laughs> but I, I have this visualization routine that also helped me pull in my husband. Uh, so cool. That meditation is free on my website if anyone's interested. Awesome. That is so, yeah, that's so awesome and so generous of you. So definitely go to Zoe's website, go to her Instagram, go to Felix's Instagram, (laughs) her dog, (laughs) if you haven't already. My dog dog only has about a thousand times more followers than (laughs) I do. It's the best. Sarah, thank you so much, honey. I do just want to say, oh my Lord, I could just chat to you for hours and it's so amazing to be allowed so vulnerably into your world. Good on you for sharing about yourself and being honest and authentic in the way that you're doing this. It's just a fucking breath of fresh air and I, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zoe. Appreciate you.